Our first scripture reading this morning comes to us from the Gospel of John. Listen for a word from God. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may all be one, as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and I have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory, which you have given me because you have loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and those know you that have sent me. I have made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be known to them, and I in them. Our second reading is from the Acts of the Apostle. Listen to the word of the Lord. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote all about the things Jesus did and taught from the very beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, Jesus said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and unto the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward the heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go to heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you please pray with me? O living word, abide within us. O living word, guide us. O living word, grow within us and take root. 
so that we, your church, might grow and bear fruit in the world. May your word increase as mine decreases. May the meditations of our hearts and minds be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It is a funny thing that we humans do when we say goodbye. We all do it, just go to an airport and watch it happen. We all wave our goodbyes. This is a wonderful testimony that while space and time might be drawing us apart from one that we love, we still wave and we make faces and we watch. We do this as cars are pulling away in the driveway, as travelers pass through security, as floats make their way by in a parade. I've even watched people standing on the ground, looking up and waving at hot air balloons as they fly overhead. I saw a child at the top of the Empire State Building waving, saying, do you think dad can see me now? We watch we wave, and in that moment we're holding on to something as it moves further and further out of our sight and our touch. It's a very human thing to do. In fact, I know that if I had been among the apostles on that first ascension day, I would have had a goofy look on my face, squinting against the sun, waving. I mean, after all... Jesus is the eternal Son of God. He must have pretty good eyesight. Why not keep waving? Despite the angel's admonition at the end, the apostles are in pretty good company that first ascension day. They're not the only ones who would have stopped on the side of the road, waiting awkwardly, unsure of when it was okay to move on. There's so many moments when we see something or experience something that is so profound that we pause, waiting and wondering, not sure when that moment is over. We're not sure when the next thing begins. It's the crowd at the end of a movie in a theater, watching until the last credit ticks by, wondering if there's one more scene. It's the audience watching the wings of a great performance as the applause continues, wondering if there will be an encore. It's our eyes watching for one more firework explosion, listening for one more word to be said, tipping to the end of a book to see if there's one more chapter. As much as we wave our goodbyes, we also pause frozen in our waiting and are wondering, wanting to know if it's really over. It's a few seconds of holding on to something that feels so very important and so very fleeting that we're waiting for a cue to know it's right to move on. A couple in my last congregation were leaving the hospital with their firstborn child. They had made it all the way down to the atrium of the hospital, bearing all of the bags and the gifts and the balloons and an extremely complicated car seat that held their newborn child. They got to the glass atrium and to the giant revolving doors, and there they stopped and waited. 
They were certain that after the last few days of baby security protocols and all of the hoopla and the monitoring, that they certainly couldn't just walk through those doors with their baby. So they waited and waited and watched as people walked past them and things happened around them, and they just sat waiting and watching. Certainly there was something they needed to do. And while they were waiting, they started to realize that maybe something wasn't quite right. They were heading to almost an hour, and that seemed like a long time to be waiting. And that's when a very kind security officer found them. Are you okay? he asked. They said, thank goodness. They were sure he was their salvation. He would have the right forms. And so with all the earnest enthusiasm of new parents, they ask, do you know what happens next? (laughs) The look on the man's face told them that that wasn't the right question to ask. So they added a few more. Do we need to sign something? Do you need to check the car seat? I, you know, and... The security officer just shook his head and pointed to the door and said, it's all up to you now. Congratulations. You'll be just fine. And so they left the hospital with this complicated car seat and an even more complicated baby. And you know what? Neil's doing pretty well. He's five now and full of energy and life. But that moment, that moment when you're waiting... You're wondering, what happens next? The resurrected Christ had triumphed over death, sin, and the very gates of hell, and then spent 40 days with his apostles. Here at the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles, they are waiting and wondering what exactly those acts are going to be. They're waiting to see what's going to happen next. What's the next big number Jesus is going to pull? Jesus promises them that something good is coming. Something great is on its way. They know that they're supposed to stay in Jerusalem for this great, new, wonderful thing. But what is it? What are they waiting for? You can hear the anticipation in their voices when they ask, is this the time that you will restore the kingdom to Israel? Is this the big finish? Armies of angels marching through the streets of Jerusalem? Jesus tells them that they have to wait. Jesus tells them what's going to come next, the arrival and the power of the Holy Spirit. He tells them the path that they and their good news will take from an upper room in Jerusalem to the very ends of the earth. But not yet. They have to wait for the power of God to descend upon them. A strange thing to think about when you're sitting in the presence of the resurrected Christ. To be honest, Ascension Day is a strange moment, both mathematical and theological, for all of us who follow Jesus. I know we don't typically throw math problems at you before noon on a Sunday, but bear with me. There are 40 days from Jesus' resurrection at Easter until the Ascension. Pentecost, the arrival of the Holy Spirit, happens 50 days after Jesus' resurrection from the dead. 
That leaves us a window of 10 days, a Thursday to a Sunday, when the apostles are on their own, when Jesus is lifted up, but before the Spirit has descended. It's a strange 10 days. It's longer than they had to wait for Jesus to be raised from the dead. It's what they have to do before this next big act begins. And it means the last Sunday of Eastertide always falls between Jesus' ascension and the Holy Spirit's arrival. There's always going to be this 10-day waiting. What does it, but one might ask, when does the waiting begin? How do you know the ascension is over and how do you know the Spirit has arrived? We're all there with the disciples on the side of the road with our eyes looking at the heavens because what else should we be looking at? Straining our eyes to catch a glimpse of a foot, the hem of a robe, or one last wave from a friend. As we enter into these ten days, how do we know that it's okay to move on, to get ready for what's next? I think there might be some holy purpose in these ten days of waiting. And that's not just because I'm the pastor assigned to preach on this Sunday between Ascension and Pentecost. I think there's something very human, a human need to wait and to grapple and to come to terms with and sit with a new reality before the apostles can live into their new world as their new role as witnesses and church builders, miracle workers and preachers, they have to come to terms with the fact that their world has fundamentally changed. Even with the Holy Spirit descending upon them, they are going to be the ones who are preaching the new sermons. They're going to be the ones who are healing the sick and choosing the long roads to walk. They are going to be the ones who are the witnesses and the workers. There is holy purpose in the math that separates the ascension from Pentecost because there is holy purpose in waiting, in waiting. The book of Acts is a continuation of the gospel of Luke, and just like the gospel, the book of Acts is designed to be an orderly and complete account of the early church. Thoughtful and well-presented and well-researched, it includes details that are important to tell the story faithfully. And it begins here, faithfully, with the apostles watching Jesus leave in the heavens and waiting to know what happens next. Luke sums up all the amazing things that Jesus did, and then less than ten verses later, Jesus is gone. And the apostles, formerly disciples, they're left trying to figure out what to do next. I'd be looking heavenward, too, because otherwise, otherwise I'd have to look at James and John and Andrew and Peter and trust that they know what they're supposed to do. Or even worse, watch them looking at me, asking me what we're supposed to do next. The heavens a much better view. Sometimes waiting is important. Sometimes we're standing next to the door not certain that we're ready for what's next waiting for a sign. 
Sometimes in our waiting, we forget what grace looks like. And friends, for me, on this last Sunday of Eastertide, grace looks like a group of apostles staring at the sky and being met in the dirt by two white-robed guests. Instead of belonging to a God who shouts down and says, figure it out, instead of a God who left them there hanging until the sun burned their eyes, instead of a God who expected those 11 to just hop to it and get started with the witnessing, I see grace in the 10 days between the Ascension and Pentecost, grace in the angels that meet them there in the dirt and call their attention to what's next. The Acts of the Apostle begins not with a perfect outline planned by Peter. It begins here with angels decked in white making a repeat performance, just like on Easter morning, finding the lost disciples and saying, you know where you're supposed to be, now go. The same angels who should have been in heaven rejoicing with Jesus' return. They're the ones who are on a dusty road with the apostles, pointing them in the right direction. Friends, we all find ourselves in waiting moments. Sometimes it's a second, sometimes hours, sometimes days, and sometimes decades. But there is that time that's stretched between a moment that is so profound and important that we're not sure how to let go of it, to start something new. It's when graduates are holding on to their diploma or a new title, but aren't sure what that actually means yet. It's the moment when the tests have been completed, but the results haven't arrived. It's one job ending and another one not quite finalized. It's putting away a wedding dress and hanging up a picture, but still trying to figure out what married means. It's standing next to a grave, wondering how long until the hurt stops. It's checking our phones and reading a news feed, afraid and mourning for those who have died and the ones who are injured in Virginia Beach, not knowing how long we are supposed to watch and wait until the news is over. We wait with our eyes heavenward because we're looking for a sign, uncertain of the right moment to move on. But friends, on this Ascension Sunday, as we look heavenward, we need to remember something else that the risen and reigning Christ was also and is also Jesus of Nazareth, the one who knows what it is to be all too human, to walk away from Nazareth waving back at Mary until he can't see her face anymore, the one who sent his disciples out and would watch until their heads were dots on far horizon, the one who sat praying in the garden with his eyes heavenward, saying, God, what comes next? That Jesus understands what it is to be human, and that to be human sometimes takes a little time, a little waiting, a little wondering, a little searching. That we all need a little time to wait and to breathe and to live into a new being. Jesus understands that holy work that work we all take part in. And friends, when you're ready to look down from the heavens, remember this. There are indeed angels standing beside you, 
in the dirt, ready to point you back to Jerusalem and all that comes next. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.